The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of The Crimes of Grindelwald. I see what with that uh, German V. Oh, nice. Where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this brand new Harry Potter movie. Joining me today on the panel are Lynn Francisco. Hi, Lynn. Hello, Dom. And Thomas Anherho. Hi, Thomas. Hi, Dom. How's it going? Very well. And I'm glad to have you both back because last November, as we record this, recording this of in April of 2019, in November of or was it October of 2018? Well, last fall, we did, we discussed the first Fantastic Beast movie, and we're back together again to talk about this second uh, of the Fantastic Beast movies in the Harry Potter universe. Uh, before we get to that, though, I want to remind folks to remember to like the Secrets of Movies and TV Shows on Facebook at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, and to retweet this episode if you can on Twitter as well, we're at SQPN. Leave comments, subscribe to the to the podcast if if you have not yet subscribed on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, tune in your favorite podcast app or on YouTube where you should make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. And above all, share the podcast with your friends to help us grow this community and reach more listeners. So, this movie is a sequel to the Fantastic Beast movie as we mentioned where and it pretty much picks up a little bit after, a few months after, well, it doesn't exactly pick up right after. We have a sort of prequel scene and then we or, or and then we jump uh by 6 months. So, let me just start where where it starts. It starts with New York 1927 and Grindelwald is in jail. And this is where we we ended with the previous movie where this wizard, evil wizard, you know, is it okay we call him evil? Is it, you know, because from his point of view, he's not evil. He's he's trying to do something good. Is it okay we call him yeah. evil? Yeah, sure. I know evil <laughs> is in the eye of the beholder. We're, we're going to have know. a conversation about that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So stay yeah. tuned. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. He sees himself as the hero of this story, as all, you know, evil d- villains do. Uh, but so he had been captured uh, by the American uh, Makusa Magical Association Congress of the United States of America. I, I think that's what they call themselves, the, the equivalent of the, the Ministry of Magic, uh, be, because he was in the form of Colin Farrell <laughs> before and ruined it. And now he's in the form of an albino Johnny Depp or something along those lines <laughs> and had been imprisoned as this very dangerous villain. He's sort of a, almost more. Is he? Let's let's talk about this for a second. Who do you think is the bigger evil villain wizard? Is it Voldemort or Grindelwald? Who's more dangerous? Oh, that's tough. That's <laughs> tough. Um, I think I think in sheer power, uh, Grindelwald uh, just blows everybody out of the water. Like even even Dumbledore is really questionably a match for Grindelwald. Um. And, and just use that the the final scene of this movie where he's taking on an entire uh group of highly trained aurors and it's not it's a joke to him it's not even uh it's not even close it's all part of his yeah. spiel you know yeah okay uh how about you lynn what do you think 
Uh, that's that's kind of a hard one. Um, but yeah, I would probably agree that Grindelwald's probably the more powerful wizard because Riddle, yeah, although his environment made him who he was, he also relied on other external things for his power. Whereas with Grindelwald, I don't know. It um, from what I saw, it seems a little bit more um, internal to himself. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. You know, it it puts me in mind of as as most things do of Star Wars, <laughs> which is in Star Wars, like Palpatine was the big bad evil dude, and Darth Vader was his servant. But had Anakin Skywalker not been maimed in that battle on Mustafar. He probably would have surpassed Palpatine in force power and and in the in strength in the force, and would have been the more powerful Sith, in my opinion. And I think that's the case here because Voldemort had his power stunted by being split into the Horcruxes and that that whole thing. Right. Sort of like, or in the Lord of the Rings, Sauron in the in imbuing the, his power into the Ring, uh, in, which divided his power, which which made him less powerful than he otherwise would have been. So I, it's it's an interesting trope. Uh, trope has a negative connotation. I don't mean that. But it's an interesting fixture in lots of different kinds of literature. In, I think it's, of, a div- it's a device. Uh, the, the, thank the good you. term is device. Device, exactly. <laughs> thank you. In lots of literature, and I include films in literature in this case, yeah. to use for the villain to, who, who has limited himself uh, through some external factor and mm-hmm. it, usually uh, as a mistake um, and it's his fatal right. flaw. I wonder what Grindelwald's is. You, you see it. You see it in this movie. The, uh, the, oh, the right. bond, the blood bond is that's, that's his big, like he can't Dumbledore's always going to be a factor there unless he can somehow get rid of it. Oh, that's a good point. Thank you. Yeah, that is right. That the blood pact, which uh, I, 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 we can come back to it, it is, seems to be a key but they 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 didn't reveal exactly how that's a weakness yet but uh mm-hmm. they've got something like three more movies <laughs> i think five more i think they're gonna go for the full uh the seven, full eight. wow gamut, so. wow oh, oh wow i had yeah. heard five so yeah so wow. seven huh yeah I, I, it's there's lots of different numbers that are being thrown around right now for it so we'll see how it goes the they like uh to, to use another tolkien reference uh, I hope it's not too much bre- a butter over too little bread yeah. <laughs> as far yeah. as story. Indeed. Well, I'm actually I'm actually worried at the opposite direction almost because there was a little bit too much butter in this movie and not <laughs> enough of the bread to really carry it through. Oh, yeah, oh. That, that's kind of true. Actually, this this film, it just, you know, without going into spoilers quite yet, there was just uh, just so much that was packed into that. What? Uh, One hundred thirty four minutes. That, you know, I mean, it's it's a little bit overwhelming to take in on first viewing. So you kind of have to see it a few more times to appreciate it more, I think. Well, I, I, in the middle of the movie, I was making comments and I'm glad that my, my wife and daughter had seen it because they were like, no, 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 that's not who that was. No, no, that was the other guy. that. And so we had to pause the movie several times to, for them to go. No, and I'm I'm normally pretty good at keeping up with this stuff. But there were a lot of there were a lot of characters that appeared very briefly and were really important to the to moving the plot forward. And then they would reappear again later in the movie. You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know this guy's important, but I've totally forgotten him. <laughs> there was a large cast of characters. And that's actually something uh, I want to bring up, too. Maybe we could talk about that now. And then we'll because uh, there's also another point I want to make, too. But the I, I felt at times like you needed to to really to really get this movie. You had to be a Potterhead. You know, you had to be a big fan who knew uh, knew a lot of the people. You had to know the stuff. You had to know it. 
if you're just a casual viewer, and I think I'm more than just a casual viewer, but even I felt at times a little lost with all the different moving parts, all the different people and all the different stuff. Um, but what do you think? Was there, was there, was it overloaded with that sort of thing? I, I was, I was disappointed that it moved so far away from focusing on news. Um, and, and I saw so many really, really amazing things that they were doing in a directorial way to make Newt so, so, uh, even more interesting character than he was. But there was so much politics and there was so much of the world stage being kind of crammed into this movie that you'd, you'd, you would get that. And you'd be like feeling really comfortable, like, oh, yeah, we're learning more about Newt. We're really feeling Newt out. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I got to go take notes on all of this other stuff that's going on now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, it seemed like you have this little piece and then you have this little piece and then you have this little piece and that somehow it's going to be woven all together. And then it makes me wonder, well, where's the focus on this? And, you know, if things, yeah, as as you mentioned, you have, you know, a lot of butter, but not an awful lot of bread in this situation because it's just so tightly packed. Well, you got you got the focus on Credence and, and Nagini. Then you've got Grindelwald and his gang. Then you got Newt and Tina. You got Jacob and Queenie. You've got Theseus and Lita and Newt and Yusuf over here and then you got Dumbledore versus the Ministry of Magic guy. And and yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff going on. And and, and it was it, it was a little bit like you getting you know dizzy from the focus shifting so quickly, uh, which I mean, I don't want it to sound like I didn't like this movie. I did like it. Uh, but the times it felt like I, you know, I I just wish it would, it would settle down at some point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that it felt like they were building up to an it, it's classic middle movie problem, you know, middle movie of a series where it's not the beginning of the story and it's not the end of the story. They're carrying the story and building the story to get to the resolution. And you're and not going to see that in this felt movie that way too. It felt, it felt very much like this is a, a, a and, and I can excuse a little bit of it because it felt kind of like you're bringing Newt in to the bigger picture, you know, which the first movie was all about him and the magical creatures. And then there were these hints of other things. And then right at the end, it kind of surprised us with this. Oh, wait, there's this this other thing going on that you need to be paying attention to. And then this movie was kind of like, OK, now let's let's bring Newt all the way into it. Let's like kind of shove him in the middle of everything that's going on. And um, I, I, I don't mind it for that reason, because I see what they're doing with it. But there was so much. Uh, tenderness on some of the story fronts that had to be lost just for time uh, and, and they were good they were good interpersonal stories that were woven very well and just needed a little bit more time spent on them to really flesh them out all the way the the other thing that uh, that really kind of struck me with this movie was there were a lot of scenes of a lot of talking where people standing in a, in a space and talking to one another for long stretches Lots of exposition of the bigger world, like you mentioned. Uh, and, and while we got some of the Fantastic Beasts, we got much less of it than we did. Like, like again, if we're, we're comparing it to the first movie, obviously. We got much less of that. I mean, that first part where we were in Newt's basement. I mean, how could Newt's basement not be amazing with these amazing creatures? But even then, we kind of saw hints of these creatures, but not a lot. Uh, we had that one, uh, the kelp uh dragon uh, or whatever whatever they called it the kelp creature uh and 
you know, and then we had a few other creatures. We had uh, the the Chinese uh, the Chinese lion, right? Was wasn't it? Well, it kind of reminded me of uh, I don't know a mix between a dragon and a cat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. is that the yeah. one you were talking about? I forgot yeah. what it was called. It's the one that they, they use it 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 at Chinese New Year where they have the the all the guys inside right. the dancing. Exactly. Um, I, oh, I thought it was like a lion or dragon. Is what yeah. they called it. Yeah, so it's the and real I'm, I'm version of that. I'm probably murdering its its pronunciation. Yeah. Maybe. Yes, uh, uh, the Chinese creature. Yes, exactly that one. I mean, that was cool, uh, and we had a couple of that, but but it felt like there was a it was a lot more people standing around talking than there was fun with creatures, which is what uh, you know what I really enjoyed about Fantastic Beasts was the amazing imagination and the. Cr- and I, there was still a lot of creativity in this. And that's if if there's one thing that really strikes me about the Potter world, it's the amazing creativity that's involved in in this story. Right. And and I think I think the reason this movie feels the way it does is because they made some mistakes in the way that they were thinking about it. They were thinking about this as if it were Harry Potter, the phenomena already. And uh, that was one of the great things about the original series of movies is that it was told from a kid's perspective who didn't know anything about the magical world and he had to be introduced to it. And so just like that, we had to be introduced to it. Uh, And then uh, what ended up happening with this movie is we kind of got dumped into it (laughs) and we're not not ready for it yet. You know, the two things I really like about Newt is that every creature is important to him. There are no unimportant creatures. No, there are no monsters. That's one of the the famous lines from from the first movie and this movie is for Newt. There are no monsters, and and he in in many ways he's he's like that with people too. He always sees the good, even when they they through their own nature, at least the the creatures, it, their nature causes them to harm others. But th- he knows that it's just their nature. That's what they do. They're animals or beasts, right? Well, and even even with people, he's even when they see themselves as bad, he sees the good in them. And you see that with the relationship between him and Lita. Yes. And yeah, how, how that develops. Right. It, that's what, and, and the second thing I love about about Newt is that um, he is he struggles with the social connections. He's I mean, these classic a lot of people point out he's would classically be uh, autistic or on the, on the spectrum as, as we say now nowadays. Uh, but he exhibits those, those attributes and yet is that that's a strength for him in many ways and not, not a weakness. And that I love seeing this. I love seeing these characters in a lot of these uh, shows now where they exhibit these, uh, what would have been weaknesses in the past, but they, they, they're that a lot of young people seeing these movies We'll see, and they'll see themselves in this, and they'll see a role model in this. And I really like that about Newt. I think Eddie Redmayne does a great job uh, with this. Oh, and they, they, the, the whole crew did such a great job with it this time. There were some fantastic scenes where he's talking with someone, and they're, they're uncomfortably close to the edge of the screen with, in the camera shot. And it's, you don't notice that that's something that they avoid doing until they don't do it very specifically to show you that this character is not looking at the person he's talking to. And, you know, so he was early on in the movie, he was having a conversation with Lita and he was looking down the hallway at his brother and she was off to the side of the screen, but she was actually still talking and we were getting good information from her. And it's like, 
pay attention to what's going on here. <laughs> right, right, exactly. It, it's almost as if they were kind of filming from Newt's point of view in that exactly, situation, I'd yeah. say. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, there was uh, That reminds me of another one of those characters that kind of got shovel, shoved off to the side a little bit, didn't get enough treatment, was um, his assistant at his home who, was, who helps him, who obviously is sort of sweet on Newt of, of some sort, but he, he doesn't notice. Uh, um, what was uh, Bunting? Miss Bunting, I think it was. Um, but but did not get enough screen time. Did like did not get almost a waste of a character. Like well, you know, we they probably shouldn't have included her at all, only because there, there was the, she didn't have enough time for it to be anything in the story. Really, yeah, that was unfortunate, and that that happened a few times with some of these characters, um, like Nagini, uh, who. We, we we should talk about that, but I want to talk about uh, some of the, the, the some of the story as we go in the, in the early part. Uh, we have this jailbreak. Grindelwald breaks out of jail. That was an amazing scene. That just that yes. whole that whole thing. <laughs> Pretty clever. Yes, but again, it suffered from this like, wait, who's who's where and what with all the polymorphing, and you're just like, okay. He's not okay, so he switched places with this guy. But when I and you, you, it was hard to keep track. And was this guy a dupe or was he in on it? That was exactly. yeah, confusing. Mm-hmm. It, it was and, hard. It was hard to keep. It, and then I, I loved it because it was really exciting and, and it had the, that kind of caper feel to it. You know, where oh, they've got all this stuff planned out ahead of time, and they've really pulled one over on these uh, on these R's and the way that they were ready to handle anything. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was exciting. It was high 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 energy too. Why did uh, Grindelwald let the Auror that he kicked out of the carriage survive? He ga- he, like, he basically gave him his wand so he could save himself. I I didn't understand that. Was that the the American equivalent of the Minister for Magic? No, the, the he was a European official. Oh, yeah. the European official. Hmm. Spielman, but, I think it was. Yeah. All right. So I'm also getting my characters. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Now I remember, sir. So. I think there is um there's something to Grindelwald that he cares for people who can use magic. Especially and, uh, if they're blue especially if they're pure blood. And I wonder right. if maybe that particular wizard was a pure blood. And, and I think that really is what it comes down to, is that he his his care is for taking uh, is for keeping people who are, are magic users, pure pure blooded magic users especially safe okay and and I, I think that was the first indication you get of it and then later the 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 grandstanding that he does is that it kind of ties all that back together again right at the rally yeah okay one of the other things that this scene brought back to me was just a reminder of how the prison and justice system of the wizarding world is not at all humane does not i, I mean it is it is bad <laughs> <laughs> I have to say. Yeah. Well, I I thought about that though. It doesn't matter. You can cut off somebody's tongue and regrow it. Yeah. But it's so it, it's like I mean like would you know, if somebody has is using their nails to scratch someone in our prison system, you would take them to the you know, to the hospital and clip their nails, right? And that that would be considered humane because they're going to grow back. There's not really a a big issue there. And um, I just to just to frame this. So, so if anybody's worried about this and thinking about this way, Quidditch right now in our world in the United States is suffering a problem where there are a lot of concussions happening because 
large aggressive players who are playing the role of beaters are actually aggressively ramming into much smaller players who are playing the role of seeker and their their excuse for it is well that's how the game is played and um because there are no rules and because Skelligro is not a thing uh <laughs> it's a, it's an issue you know right and it's and it's a limitation that we have that i really think you know it, it bothered me at first that that comment but then i thought about it too i was like hey cut out his tongue for right now and then when he needs it back just grow it back if yeah if it's painless i suppose although the dementors always bothered me that you would have these D- demonic creatures of you, you, you know or or ghoulish creatures i don't think demonic carries a whole load of baggage uh, that word but these ghoulish creatures who you know if you end up in azkaban you are you're that's like hell i, I don't know it just yeah no uh, hope yeah it uh it's uh, I, I, ha- I have i have my reservations with it so uh, but i get your point i get your point in the wizarding world things would because they can they can recover from things much differently than we can it, maybe it's different for them I, it's a it's a fair point uh so we we then pick up uh, months later at the ministry of magic with newt and his brother theseus who we'd been we, it was mentioned in the previous movie as well as lita lestrange how do we know the name lestrange from the original harry potter movies it was one of the uh, the um big pureblood families um, and uh, one of the, you know, longtime Slytherin placement. So, yeah. And so um, they had uh, some of the students were, I mean, the the younger Lestranges, I think, were um, students at Hogwarts during Harry's time. And then, of, of course, the adult Lestranges, Lestrange, were also um, part of Voldemort's inner circle as well. Bellatrix was a little strange. Of course, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, that's where I ended it from. And so in this case, she is, there is a a sort of um, affection between Lita and and Newt. And we're supposed to understand that because of Newt's um, social reservation, his perhaps we could say autism, that that relationship never went anywhere. And she ended up with his brother. Uh, who is much more conventional sort of person, uh, norm, you know, normative uh, sort of uh, social personality. And so she ended up with him instead. And so there's this awkward romantic triangle uh, that we have here. Uh, and, and so his brother that wants... Gets played up, that gets played up a lot in the movie because yeah. of a simple <laughs> mistake in the newspaper, too. Yeah. So, <laughs> right, right. But... That caused the problem with Tina. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I think that's... I think it's a good... I, I, I don't know. And that's that's one of the ones that I wish they would have treated it more because I don't feel like it was just his social awkwardness or, or anything with Newt particularly or on Newt's end that prevented him from ending up with um with Lita. Uh, it seems like there was something else going on there. And it's part of her story that I think really needed to be brought out a lot more. Yeah, that she maybe felt like she she didn't deserve Newt or exactly that he's too and I mean, pure. I mean, you, get, you get hints of that, but it's really so it's just kind of glazed. It's like almost there. It's almost there. And you we can imagine it. And you, and you can definitely from everything that's set up, you can imagine that story playing out. But uh, it really doesn't seem like it's Newt's fault that the thing didn't work. Right. Right. That's a good point. That's a good point. And so the ministry is trying to get Newt to join as an Auror, and Newt is against this. He's 
you essentially wizarding equivalent of a pacifist, not exactly, but in but in the sense of he he feels like Aurors misuse their power, um, and especially against the beasts, they 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 treat them as uh, something to be killed or captured and and, and imprisoned as opposed to just creatures that need to be better understood. And uh, we we find out that Grindelwald wants to start a war with the Muggles and wants to use Credence to do it. And we find out that Credence has survived. Now, did we know this at the end of uh, Fantastic Beasts, that Credence survived? No. In no. fact, I mean, e- even you see that that some of the other characters in the film assume that Credence did not survive. So it comes as a surprise that Oh, he did. He's someplace else. He's trying to find who his birth mother is. I heard some references to to what sounded like scenes, but must but I didn't remember them. So I, they, they, they must be something else where and maybe Rowling wrote these up and put them on Potomir, her website or something of of his survival of that confrontation in the subway in New York uh, where Grindelwald was captured. And he it looked like he was blasted into those black flaky bits that rain down on everyone uh but that he survived that so uh i I was that 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 confused me a little bit right there and his brother theseus tells newt the time is coming when everyone is going to have to pick a side and newt says i don't do sides and he's wrong he ends up learning how wrong he is about that because his brother is right you can't stay neutral in the battle between good and evil there is no there is you there is no Switzerland. <laughs> you know, you can't you can't stay neutral. And I think that's that speaks to a larger truth that we are seeing here is is when we're confronted by evil, we have to stand against it. We can't stand on the sidelines and watch evil you know, harm the innocent and mm-hmm. harm others. And Newt gets a real education in that in this movie, I think. I he is he is the American moviegoer lately because right. um, I, I think uh, that's one of the things I love about this this film and I love about Rawlings series overall is that it's archetypal. There is a, a good, there is an evil. Uh, the lines are clear. Um, you, you can even sympathize with some of the things that the evil people are saying, like, oh, well, I mean, you know, from their perspective, I can see how that makes sense. But they are very clearly evil. And um, I, I like that. I like the the clarity of being able to say the ends do not justify the means you there are times where we do have to take a stand but that still doesn't change the fact that we have to treat everything with respect and everyone with respect as well right yeah well it almost seems to me like it's kind of rolling's um view on what may have been world events um back in the time when it was set so this was set in what 1927 late 20s thereabouts Mm -hmm. and so of course you also had a lot of the turmoil that was going on in europe at the time what with the rise of nazism and the like and so i saw a lot of kind of um not really references but it's more like um maybe relations to what she created in her world and what happened in um, the world particularly the europe of the late 1920s and early 1930s yeah, Grindelwald's purebloods recalls Hitler's Aryans, and the Muggles would be, you know, uh, the you know the the Jewish people per se in, in, from his point of view. And we see him twist that in that final speech of the rally. I'm just going to jump to that part right because it's relevant to what we're saying. 
is in that he's in order to convince people of his rightness in this rally, which doesn't that evoke the 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 uh, Nazi rallies of the of this era? Uh, he he says, look at what these muggles are going are going to do. They're going to start this. He shows them a vision of World War Two, which apparently he has the ability to show the future uh, where where even nuclear, you know, atomic bombs, these the muggles are going to we have to stop them. Look what they'll do if we don't stop them and control them. And even even the good wizards are shocked by what they see. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And you hear Jacob's like another war because Jacob is a, a veteran of the first world war. And, oh, yeah. As right. we remember. Um, and and so he even though he's like the Nazis, he uses the existence of the Nazis and what they're going to do as a way to convince others to support his war on the Muggles, which is I have to say that is a very clever uh, writing gimmick, <laughs> not gimmick, a right device, writing device there you go. That, they've, exactly. <laughs> that they've implemented there to to really to make Grindelwald even more devious. I, I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's also a very charismatic character as well. I mean, just look at the way he was very convincing in the way that he's speaking, and even the way that okay, spoiler alert here, even the way that he seemed to have converted Queenie to his cause. Yes. Right. Very charismatic character. Well, and, and I think a lot of what he says is easy. It's, it's, it's one of those things where he's, he's speaking in generic enough terms that he could say, I'm just against what they're for. And that's, you know, they're, they're for the control of these kinds because there is nothing about what he is saying that should be attractive to Queenie because Queenie's whole shtick is that she wants to be with Jacob. She doesn't want right. to like, you know, she doesn't want to kill him. She doesn't want to, well, I mean, Besides the the slight love at the beginning where she's uh, enchanted him, she doesn't want to subjugate him, you know, to her will. Well, uh, yeah, I was, she... I was going to point out that that actually I think it was a very intentional inclusion right. in Queenie's character mm-hmm. that and use I, the think, enchantment. Yeah. And but you notice that she hates it, you know, that's and I think that's yeah. the thing that that's the thing that redeems her away from that. Like she doesn't see him as just a character for like just a toy she doesn't see him as a toy or a pet um which i think is kind of the point you're getting with uh you know from newt's character perspective. uh but but she sees him as someone to value and to love and she's struggling with the potential that she has versus the the reality that she's dealing with and her own insecurity you know she's mm-hmm. she's not secure enough in her own uh ability to to be to be a mate for for uh, Jacob, and so she uses her magic, sort of just—I mean, for 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 her and for you know for the wizarding world, magic is just part of who you are. So mm-hmm. I use my magic on things, which reminds me a lot of. Have you seen Umbrella Academy on Netflix? Yes, yeah, uh, I haven't. Uh, there's Ooh, a one <laughs> one character who has the ability to uh, to to uh, make people bend people to her will. By saying, I heard a rumor and then saying something that she wants them to believe or do or think. And she becomes a mother. And boy, as a parent, this one uh, struck me. She she starts to do that to her child. Like when the child won't go to bed and when the child is fussing. I heard a rumor that a little girl is sleepy. I heard a rumor that a little girl uh, is needs to clean her room. And she uses this to get her to do good things. And she's using a, something that's essential to her beat, to who she is. But her husband finds out and he he leaves her, takes the child like you're you're abu- you know, mentally ab- abusing our child. You're this is an abuse. And she 
she realizes how wrong she was. And I, I see a little of that in Queenie, who is using this power because she's insecure, because, but also mm-hmm. because it's easy. And, th- and face it, if, if you had the ability to read the minds of people around you, I I think things that I don't believe all the time. I mean, Jacob does that. Mm. Like he he thinks you're crazy. He doesn't he doesn't say it out loud. It's a fleeting thought. Like, oh man, you must be crazy to believe that. Oh, yeah, and he would never say that out loud to 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 you to his wife. And and yet she hears all of these thoughts, and it makes her insecure. And Grindelwald takes that insecurity and turns her. Um, mm-hmm. t- t- talks to her about. He talks about freedom to do things and the freedom he offers is enslavement, you know, and that's the that's the everything evil offers the flip side. It's it it looks like the good thing, but is always the bad thing. You know, it's the it's the flip side. Uh, It's always twisted, uh, whatever evil promises. So. um, But but. I I I did not like though that they did turn Queenie to the bad side. <laughs> That's that, that that did bother me because yeah, I, I yeah. she was one of my my favorite characters from the first movie. Yeah, it makes me wonder though if there was a purpose to that. Oh, so, undoubtedly. But I'm I'm yeah. sure we'll find out because mm-hmm. you notice. Okay, spoiler alert again. So towards the end of the film, where she's using her, I guess her empathetic empathetic um, mm-hmm. qualities to warn Grindelwald about. Credence being somewhat sensitive. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, right. there might be that kind of connection there, right? Queenie and, and Credence um, that they're probably going to try to develop in right. another another film. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that, um, you know, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I really, there was not enough time to develop all the characters that were surrounding uh, Grindelwald. And that was, that. it, it was a hard look into his people because you you saw that i mean you saw some basic setup that there were a lot there were a bunch of 2d characters that were standing around him that were there just to Mm -hmm. show oh these guys are evil they're they're willing to kill children all these guys are evil they're willing to just steal property they're they're willing to do all these things and um you know it's i i like the complexity that you have even with grindelwald where he's made a connection with another person and with a person like dumbledore and then um, to see, to look at that and see that there, that there are so many characters that are broken in this, in this series and what they do with that brokenness mm-hmm. is, is it's what defines the character. And that's, you, you see it, you see it with Lita, you see it with uh, Dumbledore here. You see it even with Grindelwald when we start to learn, when we're starting to learn a little bit more about him. And I, I really hope that they push that boundary all the way back so that we can see what it was that made him who was a friend with Albus Dumbledore become so dark and so far gone. You know, um, the, you mentioned how they kill the child. The, the one of the, that's another thing that kind of bothered me in this movie is, is how twice they showed the death of a child uh, as, as an emotional hit. And mm-hmm. I, I don't like when movies use that. I, I just, like that that moment when they they kill the the random couple to take over their home and then they walk into the bedroom where the little child is looking that uh, that was hard for me to watch I have to admit that mm-hmm. was and, and in a in a movie that's probably aimed at a young audience in general that's hard to I uh, I had a hard time with that uh, but, I, but I, is I, it really aimed at a young audience because I mean 
with it being a little bit more on the darker side, I would think that she moved her aim a little bit higher as far as the age group is concerned. Well, I would say whether she's whether they're aiming it at that age group or not, they're going to see it because Harry Potter and let's be honest, this is still Harry Potter uh, is seen as preteen teen material mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in general, and so they're seeing that they're they're. Their their parents are are saying, "Hey, go watch this Harry Potter movie." You know, this is still you know and that's 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 was that was always a trick for me with uh, the original uh, books a series of books was while the books aged with Harry, and so the mm-hmm. first books were much less dark. Uh, kids reading them didn't always age at this. Didn't read them at one per year. Right. You know what I mean. So you sometimes had younger kids reading this. By the time the whole set is out, younger kids reading the seventh book. Right. Or or as us, you know, when the books were actually coming out, they aged with us. And I think that's Mm -hmm. part of what's what's been trying to happen here with this series where, you know, Fantastic Beasts is it's aimed at our generation, at our age group, the people who were there at midnight for the um, the signing or for the the uh, the sale of the last Harry Potter book. Right. With our kids in tow, you know, with our infants in tow. (laughs) Yeah. That's that group that carried through. That's true. That's so. That's the, yeah. I mean, that I guess that's what they are aiming the the movie at at that age group. Um, yeah, along with the uh, the stage play, I forget what it's called, but uh, Cursed Child. Mm-hmm. Cursed Child. That's right. Uh, where where it's it's aimed at. This is Harry now as our age or right. your your age anyway. Thirties, <laughs> <30s, laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah, with kids and and who are now at, at Hogwarts, that sort of thing. Interesting. So uh, Newt and Dumbledore have this uh, this connection, uh, which is different. I don't want to get into the whole rumors thing, but there was all this rumor that there would be a different kind of relationship between them. But obviously, that's not true here that uh, they don't have um, the the rumored kind. I don't want to get into that. But but they have this this connection, this relationship. And uh, Dumbledore recruits him. And he has recruited him in the past, recruits him for this mission to go save Credence in, in Paris. And he says something to, uh, to Newt. He says, I admire you because you don't seek power or popularity. You just ask if a thing is right. And that's what makes Newt the hero is right. It's mm-hmm. he, what he's doing. He, whatever he's doing, he's doing because it's right. Not because he, it, it makes him stronger. It makes people like him. It's just, is it right? Or is it wrong? And I will do the right. And and I really, I really liked that about about this character and about about how Dumbledore treats him. I like that it's Dumbledore that says it. That's my favorite <laughs> part of this because it it puts Dumbledore in the spot that he is in, but that we never get to see really in the books because we're always seeing Dumbledore through Harry's eyes. Right. And, um, True. And so we always think of Dumbledore as this guy who's looking at things and asking what's right. But there's very clearly um, a motivator for Dumbledore all throughout his life. He is very driven by guilt. Uh, and at, while I, while the character from the original books is kind of untarnishable and he is great and what he is, when you really dig into even what was in those books, he was driven by guilt and trying to fix problems that he had created because he saw potential or because he mm-hmm. saw opportunity or because he wanted to be popular or around people that had power. 
Well, you remember, too, his his guilt surrounding his sister, Ariana, right? Mm -hmm. And so another key quote that came from the film when he was speaking with Lita Lestrange, regret is my constant companion. Do not let it become yours. Right. Right. So that, you know, that that might be another thing that's driving him. And also him saying that he wished that he loved his sister more. Mm -hmm. We we saw did we see a flashback to Dumbledore and his sister in a previous movie? Um, Do we know that story of, of what happened to his sister or is it always just been hinted that she died and he feels responsible? Uh, in the books, you get a fuller view of it than in the original movies. Yeah, okay. definitely. And yeah, so the original movies hint at it, but really don't dig into it very deep. The books dig into it a little more, where you, it's the her death is questionable okay. at best, and so you you can definitely lay it at his feet if you want to, but the overriding you know per- person of Dumbledore is he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. And then clearly. You get to the end and you're like, oh, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really sure right. how, you know, garbed in white this this guy really is. And it's it's a really good treatment of the character because I think he still retains a lot of that, you know, the admiration. And he deserved it. You know, he, he definitely deserved to be an admired figure. But you see, uh, especially now, you know, diving into this more of his history, you see that he really did. He wanted to be around people that were powerful and he wanted to be popular. And he made a lot of bad decisions because of that. And he keeps doing it even throughout his life. It's one of his constant things that, you know, he did it with Grindelwald. Uh, He did it with his family because he, you know, he didn't want to be sequestered away with his sister. And uh, so that, that there were some things that went on there that we're not really sure about. And then we see now, and then you see in the, in the original series, you see him with uh, Tom, uh, Tom Riddle and Tom Riddle. Yeah. yeah, And how that, how that came to play and how that came to pass because he saw potential in this kid and he wanted to be around someone that was powerful and someone that was, he wanted to be the mentor to this person. Uh, and, and you see it with Harry too. It just so happens that Harry is not, you know, Harry doesn't go down the dark path. And in, in, in Harry's case, Harry takes the, the, the better path, hmm. at least as far as we see in the story. Yeah. Even, even in a way with Sna- uh, Snape, he's, he, he's like that mm-hmm. with him guiding him. So uh, Tina turns out he's in Paris looking for credence uh, as an Auror. And so Newt, <laughs> that's what convinces Newt is that Tina's there. I mean, the other stuff he might have gone because Dumbledore asked, but Tina's there. He's going with, and he's going to take Jacob to, and, because Queenie is on her way there as well. Uh, so we have this scene, this really actually this really cool scene of Tina going to this circus, the Circus Arcanus in uh, in Paris, the this Wizarding Circus. And we meet this tragic figure nagini and i, I want to be sure I'm, i understand who she is so she's a, a maledictus which is someone who's cursed who to that every night when when she, when they sleep they turn into when a, this creature an animal uh but eventually they will turn into that animal and never turn back and stay that and she is uh, c- cursed to become a snake and she's is let me just speak She's the snake that Harry encounters in the Philosopher's Stone, the Sorcerer's Stone. Is that right? Oh, in the yeah. underneath, in the, underneath in Hogwarts. Oh, no, oh, underneath Hogwarts. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm not sure. I know. So we're, we're talking about Dumbledore's. Or we're talking about um, uh, Voldemort's pet, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Nagini. He, yeah. She, yeah, she eventually becomes Voldemort's pet snake. I think okay. we're making an assumption there. 
I think I still I am holding out that we're making an assumption. Okay. Okay. I I I am still this is theory, but I'm thinking <laughs> that somewhere credence is involved in um Tom Riddle's past yeah. family member possibly. Uh, I'm I'm betting that that's where it is. I don't think that Nagini is actually a snake. Uh, and I know ages get played with a lot here. And that's one thing that people complain about with this movie is that McGonagall shouldn't have been a professor at the at the school because that would make her yeah. way too old. And, yeah, right. that, that, uh, that, that I found really jarring. I was like, McGonagall, yeah. what? And Dumbledore, yeah. frankly. Yeah. yeah, so and and I, and I get that wizards are longer lived, but but still there's there would be a lot of issues there if Nagini was still the snake that is with uh you know Voldemort later on so i think that there's something family wise going on and i think that if you look at tom riddle's history of doing things he would have looked into his past and found something that he would have named this snake that he is his familiar after someone in, significant in his past okay and mm. i'm that's where i'm placing my money on i i think that that that's how this is going to play out and i don't think this is my big prediction for the movie. So spoiler here for everybody. If you got to the <laughs> end of the movie, uh, there is a very clear indication that that there is a thought that Credence is a sibling of the Dumbledore. Yeah, no, I, I think don't, more I don't even, think that's right. Yeah. Oh, OK. You think I, I that, think uh, that Grindelwald is lying to him, tricking him exactly. into thinking I he's agree. Dumbledore. I, yeah, I, I, I think Grindelwald is also tricking him. I, I highly doubt that that Credence is really a Dumbledore. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, and and I, I like that idea. And I want to correct something I said before. Um, the snake underneath Hogwarts that Harry battles in the beginning of Philosopher's Stone is not Nagini. That's a separate snake. Isn't right? that a basilisk? That's a basilisk. That's right. That's yeah. right. It's been a long time since I've either read or seen that movie. So, yeah, and that's yeah. Chamber no of Secrets. Yeah, that was Chamber yeah. of Secrets. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, it has been a long time. It's time to reread. <laughs> time to reread. There you uh, go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Credence is in love with Nagini and wants to save her, uh, which is an interesting uh, thing parallel with Newt. Um, he mm-hmm. wa- Newt wants to save the creatures, and Nagini is sometimes a creature, and so he wants to save her. She's also a character who does not get enough development. Well, maybe we'll mm-hmm. see more of that in future movies. Um, Grindelwald needs Credence to join him of his own free will. Uh, in order to get him to kill Dumbledore for him. Why does Grindelwald need Credence to kill Dumbledore for him when Dumbledore and Credence, ha- uh, Dumbledore and, and Grindelwald have this blood pact where they're going to face each other in battle someday and wh- only one will emerge? Which I want to find out how this blood pact got formed in the first place. But Yeah, actually, doesn't the blood pact or unbreakable vow or whatever it is, d- didn't it dictate that the two would never fight against each other? And so oh. if... Yeah. Yeah. And so that was confusing, though, because they like mentioned that very briefly, very quietly, very quickly, right in the middle of a whole bunch of other stuff happening. And you're like, wait, what what did he say? say?" (laughs) So if you saw this in the theaters, you could have walked away with a very different perspective than being able to pause and rewind. I did. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Because I I remember I I kept on wondering, Okay, that necklace has something to do with, you know, with the plot for later on. And of course, if you have the chance to see this outside of the theaters yeah as, as thomas said you could rewind and i'm like oh okay that probably looks like you know that necklace has a pendant and that pendant has something in the middle of it which appeared to be holding blood 
which made me immediately think Unbreakable Vow. And we did mm-hmm. see this as a plot device in, um, I want to say, The Half-Blood Prince, when, mm-hmm. um, when Narcissa and Severus Snape, Narcissa Malfoy and Severus Snape, made an unbreakable vow that Snape would protect Draco. Right. Right. Ah. And so I saw something similar here where Dumbledore and Grindelwald made some sort of an unbreakable vow that they would never fight each other. And that's the reason why Dumbledore told um, the um, Minister for Magic, I'm sorry, I cannot fight against Grindelwald. Mm -hmm. And of course, they interpret that as, well, then you're on his side, which is very far from the truth. Right. Right. Interesting. Interesting. And of course, since Grindelwald is also bound by this unbreakable vow, he also cannot fight Dumbledore. But if he wants to kill Dumbledore, he'd have to find somebody else to do it for him. They have to fight through proxies. Interesting. Yeah. You know, the idea of the of the vial of blood, I mean, that's from a from a Catholic perspective that the the idea of a relic, uh, there there are Eucharistic miracles of the where um, the the blood of Christ in the chalice uh, under the form of an appearances of wine. in, in throughout history, there have been a few times where it's turned to actual blood and and in some cases remains that way to this day, hundreds of years later, and is kept in what we call reliquaries, which are very similar, usually bigger, but very similar in shape. Uh, interesting parallel there. Uh, I'm not sure you could take it too far, but I just it make it brings it to mind anyway. And I wonder if there's something a thought to tease out of that. At a, not right now, but. Maybe at a later point, I could I could tease that out of there. So that would be interesting. So Credence and Nagini find his mother's servant, uh, who gave it, who brought him to uh, 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 the lady uh, Barebones, who was his his foster mother or adopted mother in New York. Uh, they find the, the the servant who gave him up for adoption, and just as he's about to get the <laughs> the necessary information from her, uh, he. Uh, Grimson attacks. Now, Grimson is another one of these characters. I'm like, who's this guy? Right. Uh, <laughs> that was my reaction when I saw yeah. him. I was like, who appears, is this well, guy? He, Why did he, he kill her? And yeah. it's so confusing because, and, and the confusing part is, is that you see him at the first time in that meeting with Newt at the uh, Ministry of Magic. Right. And then all of a sudden he's meeting with Grindelwald and you're like, oh, okay. But if you didn't catch that very brief introduction of him the first time and think, oh, this guy's going to be important. I need to pay attention to him. Right. Then... You know, seeing him later meeting with Grindelwald, you're like, wait, why are we introducing this new character all of a sudden? Well, especially we we know that Newt doesn't like him for some reason, because when Newt saw him, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you, you know, you bad guy, you. But we don't know why he why he dislikes him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have no backstory. And then but we have uh, we, we didn't. I don't know if we even got a name from him that first meeting. I had to go. I'm on IMDb looking this stuff up as the movie's going along so I can figure out who's who. Uh, but then, yeah, then we have this. Where he attacks Credence, but doesn't kill him, doesn't doesn't do what he's what we think he's supposed to. He's some kind of bounty hunter, but then it turns out he's really working for Grindelwald, and by killing the uh, Irma Lagarde, is that her name? Dugard, Irma Dugard, the the servant. He's driving Credence closer and closer to Grindelwald. I I think is that idea. Uh, and then yeah, we remo- have removing options. Yeah. <laughs> and then, as if this isn't enough story, we all, then we bring in Yusuf Karma, <laughs> who encounters Tina. And let's just say who he is. So, Lita Lestrange's father is Corvus Lestrange. Corvus Lestrange uh, once fell in love with Yusuf's mother, and 
enchanted her away from Yusuf's father and married her. And she gave birth to a daughter that is Lita. And then she and she died in childbirth. And then Corvus Lestrange married another woman and she had a child that Yusuf is convinced is uh, is Credence. And so he's convinced that uh, Credence is Corvus Lestrange Jr. And so his revenge is, is to kill the person that he loves, that he loved the most. And that would be his son that Corvus loved the most. So it would be his son. So he wants to kill uh, Corvus Lestrange. Then we have this whole thing where he's got some kind of parasite that he picked up, which is really kind of irrelevant to the story. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just to wonder. kind of show Newt doing something weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's a distraction. Uh, I, th I thought it was significant. I'm like, oh, what is this? He's got something and he's going to turn out to be something else or no, it's just that he's got an infection. I'm like, OK, slap a bandaid on it. What are we doing? <laughs> and and so we so we have this little thread and eventually what that does is it gets Lita to admit to her own hidden shame, which is that she feels responsible for the death of her brother uh, because she was accompanying the servant on the steamship across the ocean when it was sinking and she had swapped the children, her brother, for this other lady's brother who happened to be someone of the Wizarding World whose child happened to be end up being Credence. And so we're supposed to believe it's a she was a Dumbledore uh, based on what Grindelwald said. But based only on, based on Grindelwald. But only that's based it. on that. That's right. the only that's the only indicator we have that this was right. A Dumbledore. Right. So this is this is the, the burden that Lita has been carrying is that she's she thinks she's responsible for the death of her brother, which apparently is. I mean, apparently Corvus did go down with the, you know, in, in, in with the ship. So this this poor uh, child. Another scene where I had trouble, you know, as a dad, it's yeah. just hard to watch those things for me. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. um, so uh, we talked about Newt casting the uh, Chinese lion, the Zhuo, which was like you said, there was a lot of fun with the little uh, the bobble that he committed to chase. That was very cute. Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, I think and this is this is really uh, I, the, going back to the Lita thing really quickly, because the oh, Boggart yeah. scene, the Boggart oh, right. training scene. Yeah. And I think it's really important and it really tells a lot about the character in such a short amount of time. It's so great uh, because, you know, the Boggart uh, and this is one where you have to be a Potterhead to kind of know what's going on because they're doing the Boggart training scene, which means that the Boggart's going to pop out and it's going to be the thing you fear the most. And we see the joke first, which is Newt uh, pops <laughs> out. It's a desk. Right. You know, and like and the innocence it takes to have your greatest fear be a desk job. Right. Uh, <laughs> It's just a beautiful representation of of this of this person of of the person that Newt is and why he can communicate so well with all these animals that he does because he's just he just does not want to be tied down. That's it. That's that's right. really all there is to it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. <laughs> and um, and then you follow that up with the depth of Lita's floating cloth. Right. And they don't explain it. They don't explain anything about what it is. They don't at that moment right there. They just let it hang. And you know that it's intense. You see that it's intense. And you, I mean, you know, from the, the previous scenes with the Boggarts and, you know, Harry's Boggart being what it was and Lupin's Boggart being what it was, um, you see that it's an intense moment. Um, and then they, they leave it alone for a little while and then come back to it later with the story about yeah. what was happening. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. was a really, that was powerful. That was a yeah. really powerful way to, to bring that character. Uh, I really loved that whole 
setup for Lita. That was really good. Yeah, that when you first see it in the Bogart scene, it's just a sheet floating down under mm-hmm. blue light, and so you don't know, know what it is. But in the when you see her reliving it, you see very clearly that as a child in its swaddling clothes and underwater, and yeah, mm-hmm. that oof. Uh, and in fact, in this like in this flashback, after this flashback, Lita has of of being at Hogwarts and meeting Newt and, and going through this, uh, she has this encounter with Dumbledore in 1927, where he tells her that confession is a great weight lifted, a relief. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for all of us who Catholic, we like, yep, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Been there. <laughs> Been there many times. <laughs> we'll be there again. Uh, yes, it is. It, it, but it's a, an interesting way to phrase that, that can that confession is a great weight lifted. It is. It, uh, and, and you know that if only Lita had that opportunity and, uh, and Dumbledore and mm-hmm. others, man, what the difference in their lives it would make if they could relieve themselves of that burden with someone who could understand. Um, I would, I would love to see, I don't think it would do it well, but I would love to see what Christianity is with the wizarding world. You know, what would uh, how you would reconcile it and how you would integrate it. But uh, it's uh, that's a that's a topic for another day, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's good that they that they stray from that and that you kind of assume that that the the world around the wizarding world is more secular world just because then you the magic. Yes. You know, it, the magic begins gets to take its own form and doesn't have to be bound by all of these other rules and right. structures. And, and it they, really is. It's not our world. It's yeah. a world very similar to ours that is built this way. Right, right. And they do hint at uh, witch hunting in the past, and you know, mm. and, but but I, to their credit, they don't actually go there and and you know blame Christians for killing witches and that all that sort of stuff. They don't they don't get into that, which I I uh, I, I thank them for that, for for not taking that route on that. Um, we. One of the things I really love is some of the special effects in this movie were really great, especially I love that the, the images of Paris that they had. Uh, mm. But the, but when they had this scene of the black sheets covering Paris as Grindelwald calls people to his rally, I mean, it was such a powerful symbolic image of of the of darkness descending on Europe. I mean, again, that we evokes mm. this this time in your in history in European history with the rise of of evil in Europe. Uh, it, it really evoked that imagery as the sheets fell across the city. Uh, I thought that was uh, fantastic. Well, you know uh, what? What I kept thinking when I saw that uh, Grindelwald call was trying to recall what Voldemort's um, call was, and it was mm-hmm. the rise of the dark mark. And mm-hmm. I just kept thinking, gosh, I really need to have a look at that again and compare the music that was played. Of course, they played mm-hmm. music in a kind of minor key. Um, during that particular scene where Grindelwald was call, calling his followers. And I thought it would be very interesting to compare that scene with the scene that was in um, one of the Harry Potter films. Maybe it was the fifth film, I think, um, where um, Voldemort was calling his followers with the dark mark. So it just it was just a, a, you know, a flashback that I had in my head when I when I saw that scene. I'll have to, yeah. have to go take a look. And the yeah. color, the colors are very different. I like that um, Grindelwald's was done in the middle of the day. Um, yeah. I, the, yeah, the that's scene true. That, the scene that you're talking about was done in the middle of the night, and yeah. it was this green, sickly skull. Yeah. And um, and I think that uh, the the kind of evil that you see 
between Grindelwald and Voldemort is very different. Um, Voldemort is much more of a sickly, manic, uh, you know, uh, grasping kind of uh, evil, whereas uh, Grindelwald is a much more subtle, urbane. Yeah, 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 very, very cultured, but very powerful. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of power behind it because Attractive. of that. Yeah, yeah and it, and it is. There's something just very, very uh, attractive about it. They're like, yeah. oh man, that's really like that's cool. And uh, and I, I don't know if you guys caught it, but the Elder One made an appearance in this movie. Uh, so mm -hmm. they were they were passing wands back and forth at one point, and um, you see that the Elder One is already in play. So oh. it's already it's already out. And that's so the, that's how he's able to do, assumedly, some of this very, very potent magic. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like even in like so with Voldemort, even his followers were afraid of him. They were mm -hmm. they were yeah, sort of even true. like a little bit repulsed by him. But with Grindelwald, he's charismatic. He mm -hmm. is that final speech is he really even some of the horrors are attracted to it. You know, they they they, they start to be the glamour of of evil rubs off. and. So it's very interesting uh, there. Um, I, one of the things I want to mention, speaking of like the 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 setting of Paris, I kept noticing. Of course, the Eiffel Tower keeps showing up because it's the Paris. I kept noticing Sacre Coeur, the the beautiful Church of the Sacred Heart, kept showing up in a lot of backgrounds. And there was one shot where Credence and Grindelwald are standing on a rooftop, and Grindelwald invites him to the rally to, uh, with you know so Grindelwald Credence. And Nagini, and behind Grindelwald, very clearly in the shot, almost intentionally in the shot, is Sacre Coeur. And I was trying to think of what was this about? Why was why were they? Why was this angle important? Why was it? I mean, they're on a they're on a set with a green screen. They could put anything behind them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Why was that the choice? Uh, and I just I I I don't know. And I just I thought it was very interesting. And uh, if you you know maybe you might have some speculation, or some of the listeners might want to. Uh, send send some comments and make some comments about why they think, but I thought it was a very interesting choice. Um, so then we have uh, this encounter with Nicholas Flamel uh, the, ah, yes. at oh, the safe yeah. house, definitely. <laughs> and Flamel is uh, a, a real historical person. Uh, in case for for those who, who aren't aware, he lived in France in the 14th century and was supposed to have discovered how to make a philosopher's stone, which we see when he opens up that cabinet and he pulls out the uh, the book. Uh, and a philosopher's stone is the, that for the you know the the first Harry Potter book. It turns metal into gold and can grant eternal life, which is why he's so old. Uh, he in reality, Flamel was a bookseller, and he and his wife was were quite wealthy because she inherited uh, estates from two previous uh, deceased husbands. Uh, and a legend says he learned alchemy while on the Santiago de Compostela pilgrimage. Which is interesting. very interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, so. That's the legend about the real Nicholas Flamel, uh, not just the character in the movie. So I thought that was an interesting little, uh, little hidden layer in uh, of of Harry Potter. There you go. But he was. Did we see him in the first movies, or was he just no. talked about? Mm -mm. He, he was, was just, just talked, talked about. about. Okay. All right. I don't even know. Was he talked about in the movies? And so this is where this is one where I don't remember if he was mentioned specifically in the movies. If he I know was, he was in the books. If he yeah. was mentioned, it may have been in one of the frog cards. Oh, oh that's that's a possibility. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, I'm pretty sure he was because then that's when um, Harry Potter has uh, remembers right. um, when he sees one of those frog cards. 
That's right. That's right. right. And that's when he makes the connection between that's the thing that that um that they were looking for and what must be stored. Okay. Yeah. As is as is Diriger, this type of movie, they have to break into the secure location. In this case, the French. Uh, Ministry of Magic, which I love the d- design, the 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 French mm-hmm. um, uh, Art Deco. I, I'm not sure if that's the correct term, but the French design of this era, uh, which is just beautiful. And so they make the Ministry of Magic look like it. Uh, and they're, they're breaking into to find Lita's record and find out who Credence really is. Uh, then they get these scary black cats <laughs> that, that, that attack them. They won't, they won't attack you unless you harm them. And oh, wait, <laughs> of course. time to say that before, Rita. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, wish, I wish you told me that before I uh, attacked right. them. <laughs> uh, and then we have the, uh, the, the Chinese uh, dragon lion. I'm sorry. If, if you know Chinese <laughs> legendary better than I do, and think of it, if, if I'm wrong that it's a dragon lion sort of thing, let me know. But the, the Zuo, uh, I'll try yeah, to say Jo Wu, I think. Oh, Jo Wu, I think. Jo okay. Uh-huh. I'm, I am not going to try to speak <laughs> Chinese. <laughs> uh, so we. Uh, so I, I'm just trying to think of like where did. So we let's go to the. The, you know, to the to the tomb, uh, with with Lita's family tomb. This is the Lestrange tomb, family tomb. This is where the answers are. This is where Lita's answers are. This is Yusuf's answers. Uh, this is where uh, Jacob is looking to find Queenie. This is where uh, Credence hopes to find his answers. Uh, and this is where Lita reveals about the Lestrange family tree, and she reveals her own secret, and she. And she does that moment where she tells Newt, you never met a monster you couldn't love uh, mm-hmm. in, in referring to herself. Um, and then we find out that there's this rally uh, that's going on inside the inside the Lestrange tomb uh, in this magical space. And it was all a trap. Queenie was a trap. The family tree was the whole the whole thing was all a trap designed to bring them all to the rally, not just Credence, but to get them all there. I, you know, Grindelwald wanted them all there, wanted the Aurors there. He wanted them all in there. And uh, it was, so it's this very interesting. Everybody is now in place for his final act. He, in fact, what you see is, is everything has gone according to Grindelwald's plan so far. Like this is, yeah. pr- they pretty much all played into his, his hands. Um, what, you, what, you see that he's as much of a conniver as Dumbledore ever has been. And so oh, yes. all of the pieces are very much under his control. Even if he even if he has wild cards, it's not they're not out there. They're just I'm I'm waiting. I'm waiting for it to, to come through, you know, That's right. Uh, I noticed that the pure blood enforcers in the uh, rally, the, the ushers, so, so to speak, they are very much on the nose as sort of Nazi brown shirts, except they're wearing blue. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you make the shirts brown and that's they're definitely uh, Nazis. Uh, so the, the, the there's a very conscious decision to to make this connection in the in the director's right. uh, point of view but grindelwald manipulates this whole situation to get one of the aurors to kill i assume he kills this woman uh who's a participant in the rally to so that he can make them the enemy see see mm-hmm. i am the i am the one in the right they're the they're the ones who are aggressors i'm peaceful they're attacking uh and so he invites them all to follow him, uh, to to apparate away with with him, and uh, calls the others to join him. And so Queenie joins them, Credence joins him, uh, but Lita we think is going to join him, 
but she does uh, Thanos and the Infinity Stone and ends up getting dissolved, <laughs> <laughs> sacrificing yeah. herself yep. to save the others. Uh, Nagini did not go with Credence and Grindelwald, which I thought is very interesting. And maybe it goes more to your point, Thomas, about who Nagini eventually becomes. Yeah. And I think, I think too, I'm not sure that she's, I'm not sure that she's a magic user. I don't know what the, Oh, what maybe. The, uh, I'm not sure what the rules about a maledictus are, but it, it, it doesn't necessitate a, a magic user. That's true. Yeah. She, she just has the blood, the blood course. Right. Right. She's, she's uh, enchanted or magic, but not necessarily a magic user. Um, and she was part of a circus and was, you know, an attraction in the circus. So right. there would have to be a, a, a huge level of uh, of guarding a, a magic user at that point. Well, I don't know, I guess you could just take their wand away. And that would be right. Enough right. For, for most magicians not to be able to do that. Um, we, we, we have that moment where uh, Newt tells Theseus that he's chosen his side <laughs> in, in this battle. Well, that, that's good. <laughs> um, the We find out that the Niffler, the, the little Niffler, who's just a... Uh, he steals every scene he's in. Uh, stole Grindelwald's vial, the the blood pack, uh, and then at Hogwarts, Newt goes to speak to Dumbledore alone before as they're arriving. Um, and uh, it, it was it's a very interesting moment where Theseus stops everybody else and says, "No, no, let him go talk to Dumbledore alone." And I'm I, I wasn't sure why he would do that. What what was what what he expected that to be about, um, or even what happens because. Newt just says, you know, you have a blood pact with him, huh? And yeah, and then he has the vial there. By if if they manage to break the vial, does it mean they or that they can undo the blood pact and Dumbledore can now fight Grindelwald? What do you think? I mean, it, it's possible because um, it it is in the canon that at least twenty some years later, nineteen forty five, supposedly that uh, Dumbledore and Grindelwald did have a, a duel. And in that duel, Dumbledore won, which meant that he won control of the Elder Wand. Right. Mm -hmm. And right. and that necessitates Grindelwald's uh, having the wand removed from him, which would theoretically be his death. But Right. You know, you know it's, it, it, that brings to mind that I have a feeling we're going at some point in this series of movies we're going to see World War II from a wizarding perspective. Oh, I certainly don't doubt that. Yeah, that should be very interesting. And uh, as if as as if the whole Aryan Nazi thing weren't enough, uh, we do end the movie with a Cre a Credence, Queenie, and Grindelwald in Austria, <laughs> where you know where the in a German speaking country, the the where you know the country where Hitler was from, and uh, I find that Queenie apparently can't read Grindelwald's mind. Uh, yeah. Well, remember that this is not uncommon because uh, a wizard should be trained in how to do that. And that was what they were trying to do with Harry throughout the, the movie. Snape was trying to train him how to um, how to resist the legilimens because... Okay. Um, but the, the problem with Harry, Harry could never get it. Snape just thought he was lazy, but it was because uh, Voldemort was actually inside of Harry's mind in the original movie. Because Harry was right, Horcrux. and so that's why Harry, Harry the, you know, uh, Voldemort wasn't reading his mind. He was actually connected to him in a much deeper level than anyone actually knew. Mm. And so, um, so that, uh, but that apparently that is a skill you can have. And I would imagine that somebody as as silver tongued as Grindelwald would have developed that. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure. While mm -hmm. 
well, Newt does apparently didn't develop that uh, because Queenie right. was able to read his mind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so uh, Grindelwald tells uh, Credence that you are actually Aurelius Dumbledore, that you have a phoenix, that uh, a phoenix comes to a, to a, to a Dumbledore in need, uh, which is interesting. And uh, he hands him a wand, which he immediately is able to use to blast a mountainside, which says something, which is that, that he has some native talent. <laughs> With magic, I mean, apparently, previous to this, all of his magicking has been pretty much uh, as an obscurial, right? I mean, that's pretty much how he's been able to to work. But now he's, you know, he's got that one. He can right off the bat do some amazing, something amazing right there. Um, And I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second. You think Grindelwald manipulated it? Here's the thing. I mean, the one thing I don't buy is... Grindelwald's assertion that Credence is a Dumbledore. However, mm-hmm. if you recall, um, like when kids are young, right? I mean, there's a reason why you don't have a wand before you enter Hogwarts or any of the other wizarding schools. Right. Um, and so basically as a kid, maybe you have uncontrolled magic. You don't know how to focus that. And right. so um, if if it turns inward, like, you know, there may have been some speculation that Ariana Dumbledore may have been an obscurial. Who knows? Um, I, I think that's that's uh, that's some of the speculation. But, you know, mm. to get back to my point. So with the younger kids, um, their um, use of the magic is unfocused. They learn how to focus their use in one of the wizarding schools. Now, of course, Credence never had this chance. So it mm-hmm. did not surprise me that once he got his hand on a wand, he was able to use it straight away. Now, who knows if it, if that wand fits him or not? Who knows? But right. yeah, but that that certainly didn't surprise me, considering the background of, you know, with the wizarding kids. Right. Right. That um, they learn how to focus their magic through the use of a wand when they go to school. And okay. Credence never had that opportunity. Right. 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 And it's it's a. Um, I don't know, it's. I I still think I think it's part of Grindelwald's lie. I think that that's that he's um he's setting him up and knows what an obscurial is capable of and is allowing him to focus that a little bit. Right. But that it's not you're this powerful wizard out of the box that you didn't know. And even like the Phoenix, the Phoenix is uh is is a setup. It's it through you see it happen through the movie and then right there at the end they have the little baby bird thing that uh that Grindelwald does something to to wake up into a phoenix right right so it the whole thing just feels like a setup it just feels like more of he's telling this person what they want to hear so that they become a tool that he can use right mm-hmm. because what yeah. what does he need to what does credence want more than anything to know who he is more mm-hmm. than anything else he wants to know who he is uh, and he tells him, okay, this is who you are, and these are the people who have taken it from you. Um, mm-hmm. Now go get them, essentially, right. is is mm-hmm. what is the plan. So what do you think? Where where are we going with this? What's what's the next, what are we going to see next from from the next movie, the next part of this story? Uh, and any, any, so either hopes or predictions that you, that you may want to mention besides what we've already talked about? Um, uh, Newt and Tina together, Queenie. Uh, okay, let's let's just assume Queenie and Jacob get back together. I mean, this is you know this is the movies after all. Like we can't have these characters end up completely 
separated forever. Uh, I I don't think they're that brave in in, in these movies. Uh, It would be interesting, but I don't think they would go there. Um, But uh, I I don't I don't I mean, I know where eventually we're going to end up in this epic battle where Dumbledore defeats Grindelwald. Uh, So how do we get from here to there um, with Newt? Where where does you know, where does Newt go? That's the question. I mean, really? Yeah. He's at some point. He's going to have to fade to the side, um, right? Which is tough because I like. <laughs> I don't want it to stop being about him, but the story is set up in such a way that it has to at some point stop being that. Or, or maybe he's just you know that that story, and, and this is one thing that that I th- I think felt so difficult about this movie is that that story was not a backdrop for his story. Uh, it was yeah. his story at this point but i think there is a way moving forward where you could take that story and move it more into the background and let newt's story carry on uh he still has to be involved because he's picked a side now right but that doesn't he doesn't necessarily have to be the one going up against the big bad guy there are lots of other ways that he can help the cause well well, through his creatures of course exactly so you know so i'm pretty sure that the creatures will continue to play some sort of a role and who knows if we get introduced to other new creatures as we did here? Maybe we'll maybe we'll see uh, Newt will have uh, an apprentice of some sort by the name of Hagrid. Uh-huh. Uh, it might be where Hagrid gets introduced. I don't know Although if I Hag- don't, Hagrid's I don't... closer, too close to Harry. Timeline wise, yeah. they've been messing yeah. with the timeline all over the place. Anyway, <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, was Newt ever that big of a per like it was he a big hero in Harry's time? I mean, was he a known figure? I mean, he was just the guy who wrote this obscure book, right? Exactly. Yep. And I mean, so if for you know, and yet he's turning out to be this hero figure. I think perhaps he he retreats uh, in humility from the limelight. Uh, he he's one of those guys who who uh, does does the thing that needs to be done and then walks away from the light, the li- the limelight, not the, the light of goodness, but from the limelight uh, yeah. to, 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 to back to his quiet life, perhaps. Hmm. Some, some are born great. Some are achieve greatness and some have greatness thrust upon them. Right. Is that the, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's the, the quote there. So and yes. I think he's definitely one of those characters, one of those figures. And you see that in the way Dumbledore talks to him saying that, you know, you don't seek power, you don't seek uh, fame. You just, you see what's right and you do it. And that's that's an admirable trait. It really is. And it's a trait that we have so little of um, in the world and, and right. we do with a lot more. of. Right. Any other notes that uh, we haven't covered anything that we want to mention before we, we uh, finish off here? I have one scene that I think was beautifully done in this movie that mm-hmm. could have been a real tragedy. And that was the, uh, the scene in which Dumbledore looks into the mirror of Erisic. Oh, that's right. And yeah. That scene, because of all of the, you know, the stuff we were not talking about earlier with Dumbledore and uh, and who his character is and what his character has been made. That scene was so deftly handled. Uh, yeah. It said everything it needed to say, and it left it open for whichever side wanted to to see what they needed to out of. It. But right. it also it also left that that note there that that and we and we don't know truly the inside of of Dumbledore's heart about this but his desire was for Grendelwald that is that is what he sees when he looks in the mirror and 
he sees a lot of history with him. and then he sees the the man that is currently there and um that's such an interesting scene because it tells us a lot about who he still is and doesn't say so say so much that it's like oh well now you've ruined the character you've done whatever to the character right that i didn't want to have happen or whatever. it doesn't bash you over the head with it it right. just this mm-hmm. the, this is take take from it what you will at this moment yeah well i think also the mirror of erised scene isn't that also where we um have a little bit more insight on exactly what that pendant was from that necklace Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so that's that's when I thought, you know, I'll bet anything that was probably from an unbreakable vow. I think that that's when I when that idea mm-hmm. popped into my head. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it it also raises the question of why did they feel the need to take this make this pact? Uh, why did they make this unbreakable mm-hmm. vow? What did they see? You know, uh, they must have been, or maybe they were friends at once and saw the possibility of where they were going in the future, or maybe they weren't friends, but were both had come to some sort of agreement. It'd be interesting to see how that develops in the future. Yeah. I thought they were more than friends and didn't Dumbledore himself admit that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, when the, in this particular movie, when the, the lead R comes to him and says uh, that you were, you were like brothers and he said, we were closer than brothers. Uh, and that, that that was his immediate response. Right, we were closer mm-hmm. than brothers. Yeah, and um, that and it and it's interesting because you also have here the concept of what is an unbreakable vow, uh, a magically bound one. Obviously, there are some penalties and things like that. But I mean, if the does that mean that these people no longer have free will? Like they're they're clearly bound not to be able to do this thing. But what does that mean? Hmm. And um, and you know, for for us as people who make vows in our lives for all sorts of things. Uh, what does that mean for us too? And, you know, I think we see in, in the church a lot too, with, um, with marriages and the, and the way that, that, that we hold marriage in a different regard than the culture at large and how, you know, an annulment is not the same thing as a divorce, no matter how many people want it to be. Right. Uh, it, it's a meaningful thing to say that this is a, this is a vow that is external to you. Like you have, you have now released it from your power to control it. You have made a vow. It is outside of your realm to control and you have to abide by it. And um, that's a really, it's a deep thing to wrestle with in, uh, yeah. in a series like this. Yeah. The, it's yeah. I mean, when you make a covenant, you are, you are about, it is a blood, it is a blood covenant. Uh, co- a covenant is more than a contract. It is a agreement in which you pledge your, your very life, your blood, your, your, your being, uh, to to hold it, and and that's mm. what 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 God does with us, and in, in, you know Jesus does uh, at the cross is he is he fulfills that covenant. But I'm thinking about another sort of something that within Catholicism, in which we are prevented from doing, or someone a, a a Catholic, a Christian, Catholic Christian is prevented from doing something, but yet retains his free will, and that's papal infallibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, according mm-hmm. to the doctrine of papal infallibility, the Pope cannot teach something contrary to faith and morals, the faith and morals of the church cannot teach that it's a, it is a, a positive uh, uh, pr- prevention. He, he could say all kinds of things, but if he wanted, if he tried to say something, he would not be able to, he tried to say something contrary. He could not, he just wouldn't be able to. Uh, and what does that mean? Does he not have free will? Uh, th- that's still an open question of, uh, from ca- of Catholic theologians is how, what does that actually mean for the Pope's free will? Uh, but it's interesting to bring that up in regard to this idea of 
an unbreakable vow. Um, and certainly that we need more of these sorts of respect for vows that can't be broken, I suppose, as, as you're saying, yeah. in our society, mm-hmm. uh, that well, vows like are ma- all too disposable. Well, yeah, like marriage, until death does you part, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, it should be. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that was that, that was good. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, anything <laughs> else? Any, anything uh, other bits? If if not, uh, I will uh, I will bring us to a close. Uh, before I do, I want to take a minute to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows we do at uh, StarQuest. Uh, today, I want to thank by name Eric R., Patricia S., Joseph S., Philip C., and Father Terrence. It's through their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give. That makes it possible for us to make the secrets of Grindelwald, for instance. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of this movie, The, uh, the Crimes of Grindelwald? Not The Secrets of Grindelwald. That's us. The Crimes of Grindelwald. Let us know by visiting sqpn.com slash secrets or the StarQuest Facebook page and leave us feedback there. Or you can send an email to secrets at sqpn.com and we can read your feedback on a future show. And you'll find uh, relevant if we have any relevant links. I'm not sure I have any relevant links to this discussion. But our show notes will be on sqpn.com. And... Uh, until next time, Lynn Francisco, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of the crimes of Grindelwald. It was a pleasure. At Thomas and Herho, thank you as well. Thanks for having me. It was great. And once again, I'm Don Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest.